as Shannon comes to read the scripture, it's a very short scripture that is a setup. It's a turn in this Gospel of Matthew as we continue in this study of the Gospel of Matthew. And now Jesus is setting up what is to come. But he does it by talking about giving, how we are to give. But underneath that, it's all about heart and intent. Heart and intent. Listen to these words. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have not received their reward. Excuse me. They have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. One of the most often quoted pieces of kind of Wesleyan theology, if you will. At least this statement is attributed to John Wesley. It goes like this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. I want to repeat that. Hear this again. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. I think for many of us, this becomes a foundational statement for the work that we seek to do in our lives. This is a statement of legacy. It is a statement of definition and, again, a foundation for what we are to do and be. A foundation. A foundation is that incredible piece of building that allows a building or a house to become firmly connected to the ground. To be grounded, if you will. And the more solid the foundation, the more integrity that structure will have. And the more that beats against it, the more it will stand firmly. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about houses built on sand and houses built on rock. And we'll go into a little more detail. But foundations are what we're going to deal with today. And I look at these candles, those there and these here, and I can't help but think of the foundation that was built by so many who have gone before us. The words that Shannon read are the foundation for what's to come next in this Scripture. The foundation of heart and the foundation of intent. We give not with trumpets, but we give humbly. And not just alms, but we give of ourselves, going back to that Wesley statement. If we understand intent and we understand and strengthen heart, then that kingdom that Jesus is dealing with and that he seeks to bring about will come to pass. That, pe- that kingdom of peace, of love, of equity. Remember this, equity and balance. 
It just seems appropriate that we begin this next piece of the Matthew study by examining ourselves as stewards of that peace, stewards of that kingdom, and stewards even of that statement. And what is a steward? A steward is someone who is put in charge to oversee the health and well-being of someone else's property. Here we sit right now, 51 years later, in this sanctuary, and now we are the stewards of this place, of Aldersgate United Methodist Church. Do you remember last year, just almost exactly a year ago, Bishop Grant Hagia was here and preached to us about what that stewardship means. But what he talked about was not looking necessarily and focusing on the past. We have to make that turn. Every church has to make that turn and look not just at the past, but now at the future. I'll deal with that in just a second. What we do on this Sunday is we stop for a moment and we pause and we breathe and we remember. We remember the names. More importantly, we remember the lives of those gone before. And I remember two right now. I, we will remember a lot in a minute, but I just want to bring two to light for just a second. Jim Tweeney. Most of you, if any of you, have never heard that name before. Jim Tweeney was a three-war veteran. He was a Navy medic who began his work in World War II, moved then to Korea, and then to Vietnam. What was amazing about the service last Monday afternoon was that only it was only 15 people gathered for Jim's service. It was a military service, military honors and all, but only Jim and Betty were there who were part of that family. Those other 13 were not members of his family. There were no more members of his family. But those 15 saw the legacy in this man. Not just the military legacy, but I, I have to tell you, in, in talking about Jim Tweeney, a young man was here for the first time this morning, a Navy pilot. And to hear about one of his Navy comrades, one of those that he shared that history with, was overwhelming to him. But here we have Jim Tweeney and 13 people who were neighbors of his, who came to celebrate that legacy. Jim spent 20 years and really more than that in the military, but then spent another 15 to 20 years working for Kenmore Premix. Talk about a foundation builder. <laughs> right? Kenmore Premix. And he, he drove one of those cement trucks. One of the young men who shared was a man that got to know Jim, and Jim took him under his wing. And this young man in this service, this very small, intimate service, talked about Jim's legacy, talked about the fact that what this man had done was taken him under his wing and taught him life lessons that he would have never heard or learned before. He came from a, an exceptionally broken family. And the first time Jim saw him, he knew that he saw his history. He took him under his wing, and for the next 15 to 20 years, he taught this young man how to fish, how to hunt, and how to live. Legacy. And there he was, sitting in that chapel, at that 
funeral home, weeping for the appreciation of the legacy this man had left. Jim never went to church, but he lived a life of Christ. And you need to hear that. It's not so much about just being here in this sanctuary. It's about the way we live, legacy. Then on, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, there was a large group. Well, it was a large group. There were some of us from the church who had the chance to be at the, um, at the Fritzy home as they brought Hank's memorial service, and it happened in their backyard. And by the way, I didn't have a role at all other than to be there to support them. Bushes were there, and others were there to, to support Joe in the midst of this. It was one of the most beautiful memorial services I have ever seen. And it was completely established and completely done by Hank and Joe's kids. The prayers were offered by their kids. The stories were offered by the kids. And there were a few who shared. But, but as Joe was sitting right, right where Rachel's sitting. Um, I was sitting there at first service this morning. I was able to talk about the fact that one of the favorite parts, and I mean, other than the mountains of food that had been brought by family and friends, and particularly by friends, so that Joe didn't have to worry about a thing. But walking through the house and hearing with Joe and hearing the stories of Hank, my favorite was going into the garage. Hank, Hank had a knack for building stuff. He had completely renovated and rebuilt that home, number one, added on bedrooms on his own, and recognized one of his neighbors who had dug out by hand a basement that he had built on his own. But there in the garage were three what were left, three electric bicycles and little battery packs sitting in the, um, in the baskets on those bicycles. And another was hanging from the ceiling, all sitting beside the electric car that he had for Joe and had built for her. But it wasn't just electricity that was his legacy. I will also tell you that up on the roof were solar panels. He believed that electricity was the way to go on vehicles. He, drove, he rode a little motorcycle to work every day. And even as a staunch conservative Republican believed in the greening of America. More importantly, what he knew was that he was to leave a legacy in his children and his grandchildren. And that's what they talked about. And he did it in a tough way. But the legacy he left is significant, including who I'm now going to start calling Reverend Hannah, his granddaughter. And she's at Children's Moments every Sunday at first service and always has that beautifully wonderful, theologically based answer for any question that I have. And it's always accurate. Legacy. Legacy. In my class, what I'm asking people to do as we look at the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount is they see me do this motion a lot. They see this and they see this. And this is not in your face. This is a mirror. This is a mirror that we have to constantly examine our own legacy, constantly examine what it is that we are leaving behind Constantly look around us. And in one hand, we have that Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes as the way that we are to live as community. And the other hand are those gifts that Christ has given us, that God has given us of those in our lives. And in the midst of those two is this mirror. 
What is the legacy that you are leaving now? And by the way, it's never, ever too late to change it. Ever. But what is the legacy that you are leaving behind? You know, I spent a lot of time with the list of the saints that are going to be read. And just for those that I'd heard about and those that I knew, as I prayed through that list, there were a couple of consistent things that I saw on that list. Most were really humble folks. Legacy. Most were brilliant, but in such diverse ways. Most taught lessons that would carry forward through generations. And I will say all. All of them had that. They had hearts of service, but that also played out in exceptionally different ways. These were foundation builders, the stewards of what had been given them by those who had gone before them, and each lived lives of intentionality, focused. Each carried motivation, found it from different places, and almost without exception, family. Family was a top priority. And friends were a close second, and for some, church was right in there, tucked with family. Legacy. When it comes to our turn to have candles lit in our names, I wonder, what will be the memory that that family or those folks will have of us when they come to light those candles? Well, friends, finally, I have to tell you that we're making a shift today and we're beginning to talk about stewardship. And and the fear of talking about stewardship and using that word is we have so shifted that word in the life of the church that stewardship means money. And what you're going to hear over the next four weeks or five weeks is not just about money. Today, we're dealing with legacy. We are stewards of the legacy that have gone before us. Now protectors of that. But we're also providing for something in the future that will allow others to live a legacy within this church. In the next couple of weeks, you're going to receive a letter from me, every one of us, that talks about where we are and what we're doing and where we're headed as a church. In the next couple of weeks, you're going to see a list of the staff that have now come on board. But before we get there, I want to say thank you to you. I've been here just about two and a half years, not quite two and a half years, and you've been so patient with New ideas. Well, most of you have been patient. (laughs) You've asked such great questions about why we move from one staff person to another. You've asked great questions about why is it that we would provide what Laura and Rachel talked about at the beginning of worship, a, a a focus on family life and even a family wellness center and a pastoral care team. You've questioned the things that need to be questioned. And you've been passionate about the things that need passion. I have to tell you, in my years of ministry and in 58 years of growing up in the church, I have never seen a more talented staff than what we have in this church today. And I believe it's not me, believe me. It's God who has brought us this team of people who can take us now and build the next wave of the legacy that is Aldersgate. But they can't do it alone. They need you. 
They need every single one of us to help in moving this forward. And I ask you to consider, prayerfully consider, what that means for you. And now, now, as we move, now as we take a moment to stop, now as we begin to turn our attention not just toward the future, but also toward the past and even the present, and remember, remember these, remember these. I want to just take a moment of silence with that question ringing in your ears about your own legacy. As we prepare to honor these saints, to hear names read, to light candles, and to receive communion, let's prepare our hearts, let's prepare our souls for this time. Legacy. Let's be in prayer together for just a few moments. God, we ask that you prepare our hearts as we prepare for the receiving of these elements of bread and cup. Help this be a time of recommitting our lives to this work. Help each of us, every single one of us, remember that we are, in fact, beloved children of yours. And as we light candles and watch these flames combine and unite into a feeling of warmth, help us remember that that is what you seek from us, to be light and to be warmth. And as we prepare for this moment of confession, help us remember that that too is needed for each of us. I ask your blessing on this time. All in Christ's name. Amen.